Can you all help me as we welcome Anchor Nana to the stage with a round of applause. Hallelujah. Amen. You can clap better for Jesus. You can clap better for Jesus. You can clap better for Jesus. Sometimes when Chelsea scores a goal or when you get that new movie or that new phone, there's a way you clap and shout. You want to clap and shout for Jesus wherever you are. You want to give God praise and you want to give God glory. Hallelujah. How many of us have been in church for the past oh, okay you can pause the video how many of us have been in church for the past um, four weeks since we opened Teen Chapel you can give me a wave those who have been around hey just Lois you, you've not been in church okay so give me a wave those who have been in church I will not ask you a question Maybe I'll ask you a question, but it doesn't matter. Just give me a wave. All the people here. Okay. Ben, you've not been in church. Okay. How many of you have been in church for at least three times? Three different times since. (laughs) Okay. All right. So I believe that during this time, you have um, learned something, at least even last week, if you even came, you learned something. So I'm going to go to anybody randomly and ask what you have learned. If you don't look at me, I'm coming to you. Look at me. <laughs> okay. Me, what, what have you learned? Here last week. Oh, all the times you've been here. Anytime you've been. You've been learning about getting back to the basics, to prayer and to Bible study. All right. Okay. Anytime you've been here. Pardon? Anytime you've been here, what have you learned? Pardon, pardon. To read our Bible. Read your Bible. That's all. Okay. What have you learned? You've not been in church since. Okay. All right. Let me go to somebody else. And your name too, and what you've learned. In JC. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Say it again. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay, of Jesus Christ. So, we'll take some testimonies, but before that, I want us to watch some two videos, and I'll ask anybody what they learned from these two videos we are coming to watch. So, and the media team can play them. They are very short videos, not more than a minute. So, the media team can play, then anybody can let me know what they... You may have seen it already, so if you have, that's good. If you haven't, so you can restart it. And you can play it from the beginning. You can restart it with the volume. Okay, so if it's not ready now, is it ready? Uncle Moses. Okay, so Sedinam, where are you? We will want to take our first um, testimony from Abigail. And these testimonies are what people have experienced this time we um, reopened Teen Chapel and things they've learned. And it's supposed to encourage us to also do more for God. Amen. So our first testimony is from Abigail 
on how quiet time, quiet time has changed over the years. So, Sadie, you can just hold the microphone for her. all the facilitators for this opportunity to share my testimony. So when I first came to Teen Chapel, like after children's service, I didn't know anything about devotion, about quiet time. I had no idea what it was. And then when we came, they were talking about Uncle Bijou and all the facilitators. They were talking about devotion. I didn't really understand because I didn't know what it was. And every Sunday, they kept talking about it. They kept preaching about it. Uncle Bishu could put one Sunday there and just talk about devotion. And I said, okay, let me just try what they are talking about. So I started doing it. I wasn't really into it because I was doing it because I knew Uncle Bijou, when you come next week Sunday, he will ask you, did you do your devotion? So that means I can say yes. I just did the devotion. So I started doing it. I began to like it because I realized I was getting to know God. Because at first, I thought I knew God, but I just realized I knew things about God. I didn't know who God was. So I started taking my devotion seriously. Started, like, at first, I'll just read the devotional and read the Bible, pray and go. But now, I, like, I make notes, and it has really helped me a lot because... I remember one time I didn't do my devotion and I was so basal, like I couldn't feel myself, I couldn't even concentrate in class and I realized because I didn't do my devotion that day because I didn't spend time with the one that I love. So as you continue to do your devotion, you, you begin to like fall in love more and more with Christ because you can never get enough of him and it has really, really helped my life and I do online evangelism sometimes and then one time there was this girl who... She was like playing it difficult. She didn't want to listen to me. So I said, okay, let me just be sending my devotion to her every morning. So I started and now I send it to all my contacts and I realized that it's really blessing people. So I encourage all of us to please let's do our devotion. It's not like by force. It's not like the facilitators want to give us work to do. It's for our own good. That's why I'm also standing here to get my testimony because if it didn't help me, I'll not be standing here. So I encourage all of us to please let's do our devotion and you'll be a blessing. Amen. Okay, so our second testimony will be from Pamela. You can keep the testimony short too. Okay, so mine is not really, let me say, a testimony because I'm still going through the process. So when we opened the teen chapel, before that I was actually doing my quiet time and all that, but then I don't know why, I suddenly stopped because of a reason I don't know. And then when we opened the teen chapel on, I think, 14th March, if I'm right, on the first day I came here, like, I didn't really want to come to church because I felt like I shouldn't come because I wasn't doing my quiet time and I didn't know how to face God because it was like, I have made a mistake and I can't go to him. So when I came, I sat somewhere there and then the first word I heard from Uncle Bijou was repentance. That was the only thing I heard throughout the service. Even though he was saying a lot of things, but the only thing I heard and took home was repentance. And then when I went home from Monday to Thursday, I was broken to throughout because I cried. I don't know why, but I could only be in the room and only cry and ask God, I'm so sorry that I wasn't able to do my quiet time to actually 
So I wanted to make up for it. Then um, Friday, I said, I'm going to do my quiet time. And since then, I'm very thankful to God that I've been able to do it. And I'm not willing on also stopping it. That's all I have to say. Amen. Okay, so before we start our discussion, we have a last testimony. Because our video can play from Melchida. I nearly said Melchizedek. <laughs> Please. Yes, Melchida. Hallelujah. Thank you. Yeah, I'm Melchida. And the first thing I'd like to say is that in Teen Chapel, when the facilitators say, do your quiet time, read your Bible, and everything, it's not for them, it's for your own good because you derive a lot of benefits from it. For me like this, um, I was diagnosed with a very chronic illness and it's still in me. So when I was diagnosed, the first thing that came into my mind was like, God, me, like why? Mm. So like the thing is, if you don't know God for yourself, like for somebody who doesn't know God, the person's supposed to be like, Ah, God, me, and then be complaining and all that. But the thing is that when you know God and then his promises, his word and everything, you realize that ah, he knows the plans he has for you. And then his plans are for good and not for evil. So whatever that you go through is just for your own glory. It's for God's glory. That's what I've learned in Teen Chapel, that when you do your quiet time, you spend time with God, you know God for yourself. You wouldn't be complaining even when you're going through certain things. Yeah, that's what I've learned, and that's my testimony. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. So today, what we're going to do, we're going to have a discussion upstage on all the sermons we have been hearing for the past four weeks. But if you have a question, you can write your question down on a paper, or you can ask the ashes for a paper, because we'll be taking questions as well. Any question you had from last week, any time you came to church, if this is your first time in church, that's okay. But if you came to church any of the weeks, we have had four different Sundays from the first day till 4th April. So if you have any question at all, you can put them down on a paper. You can signal, set the name. You can ask the question as we're having a discussion and we'll address it. Okay? Amen. So we want to invite our panel, Uncle Solo, and Lois and Winifred, <laughs> please give, clap for them as they come. I nearly forgot your name, <laughs> but you'd have still come. Okay, so as they sit down, do we have our audio video? So what, what we'll do is that, I know that, okay, let me just take a test to prove what I'm going to say. Were you here last week? Were you here last week? <laughs> hey, because I can't know. You, you, were you here last week? What, what did you learn last week? Um, what did I learn last week? Um, okay. So what I learned was that, um, not last week, but like the M span here. weeks. Yo, last two weeks. Last two weeks. Um, I learned that no matter how spiritual you are, temptations won't come your way because the son of man Hey, the son of God, rather, was tempted by the devil. Yes, and he overcame them with the scriptures. So if you become victorious the first day, that doesn't mean you, like, you become victorious, like, 
You've done well. You've done well. So, <laughs> so what we'll do is that as we are um, doing a discussion, the media team will play. I selected three very um, striking things Uncle Biju said. So we'll play them. Or oh, is the video ready? Okay, play the videos before we start. videos and as you saw the first video was just showing how we combat the devil with the word of God amen so sometimes when you are going through a problem and the devil attacks your mind or attacks you is the word of God that you have in you that will be able to counteract the words of the devil okay so anytime you have any issues you wake up in the morning with stuff in your mind go through the week is the word of God that will counteract all those as well the ashes can put on this fun because here is warm upstage for me i get warm easily so i need it as i can't sit here all right so we want the audio the first we are going to play three different audios during the discussion the first audio is just a minute because we may not remember everything uncle biju said even i i forget sometimes we'll listen to that audio on repentance just for a minute then we'll start with our discussion and I'll introduce everybody here. So, yes. If you want to walk with God, if our walk with God is to be meaningful, if you are supposed to live in love with God, we have to learn to obey him. And obedience always comes by first of all repenting, changing your mind about the way we do certain things. And it's just a matter of you changing your mind according to what you think, but you changing your mind according to what God shows you in his word. When he gives you a rhema, when you hear his voice, and don't ask me how you hear the voice of God. You tell me that I've never heard the voice of God before. The Bible says that the sheep know his voice. My sheep, they know my voice. If you are a child of God, you know the voice of God and you will listen to it. After listening to you, what you do with it, that depends upon you. Okay. All right. Yes, and I think if we can play the little one on camp. Let's play that one too before we start. 
cause your mind bars to come. Those of us who were there, we felt so much in love with God. And the interesting thing is that when we came back from camp, those who were not at camp, when they see you, they notice a difference. And just by the way you carry yourself, the glory about you, the confidence and your faith in God, they regret that they were not there. They yearn to also to have been there. Am I talking to somebody? Whether you are at camp or you were not at camp, you have one of these two experiences. Why is it that when you are at camp, you have those kind of experiences? Where have the experiences gone? Those who are not there and you are yearning for it, where has the yearning gone? Okay, amen. Hallelujah. Are you guys here? Give me a wave if you are, if you are here. So you guys can be putting your questions down, any question you have as well, and we'll answer them. So on my left, we have Uncle Solo. Yes, Uncle Solo will be answering some questions as well. And we have... Oh, you can clap for Uncle Solo. Oh, I don't feel. <laughs> then we have Winifred. Winnie Winifred here on my right from the choir. She's in the choir. And Lois. You can clap for them as well. We have a Lois too from the choir. Okay. So I'll start with... And the reason why we did this is because we wanted to get the um, points of view from teenagers. And Uncle Solo will also give us certain answers in the word of God. So we want to start from all the while we were at home. You know, what Uncle Joe said about camp. When we go to camp, there's a fire in us. There's something that's changed. And all the months from March, we are home. People had backslidden. I don't know about you. You can share yours. But then from that time and now, coming to church, what was your relationship with God like from the time you were home to the time you came? Um, any of you, Winifred or Lois, you can, anyway, if you can answer. Oh, okay. Anybody can answer, yes. Hello, okay. So, um, during this corona period, um, I wasn't really reading my Bible as I should have, and I was growing distant from God. But then, Sometimes I listen to messages or I see some some videos or I watch some movie and then I get reignited and I get back with God. But then it was like I was going in circles. Like one time you're like, oh God, I really want to get back with you. Like I want to get everything right. And then another time you're like, oh, I'll read the Bible later. Later, right now I'm busy. But then we went to school for some time and then we came back. During the time I was in school, I felt empty. I don't know if any of you have felt like that before, but I felt empty and I knew the reason why. So I go back to having my quiet time, spending time with God. Sometimes, because we are in a dormitory, like friends can be distracting, like you're trying to pray, then they come and tap you, they'll be asking you silly questions. But then I was able to spend time with God in school. But then at the latter part, before we came home 
and before I got to know that Teen Chapel had opened again, they started talking about certain books they had been reading. And I was listening to their conversations. And I came home, I knew I wasn't supposed to read those books. But I, I read a few. No? They were... Okay. <laughs> you don't have to mention the title, but they what do you mean They were about werewolves and vampires. Vampires. <laughs> and werewolves, oh. yes, yes. And <laughs> I know I wasn't supposed to read those books, but then when I came home during this vacation, that was in March, I read a few, and then I, my spirit felt sick. Like, I felt so, and I couldn't, like, when I see my Bible, I'm like, no, I can't read it. Like, I don't, I don't know how to explain it. I was like, I'm too, I'm too filthy. I filled myself with this bad stuff, so I can't get back with God. And it, for, sometimes I'll read my Bible, sometimes I won't read it. And I, did, I was just going in circles. But then when we came back, no, I think a week before that, I just sat down and I analyzed everything. And I was like, I can't keep going on like this. Because the feeling was so not nice. Being far away from God, like you're uncertain about everything. How is my day going to go? If you are sitting in car, like, hey, am I going to die? It was bizarre. So I decided to come back again. It wasn't easy because... The devil kept filling my mind with thoughts like, are you sure you God loves you again? I know it may seem funny, like I may seem like someone who is like that to God, but I also have my ups and downs. So I started reading my Bible again. I started praying and I started feeling better. And I purposed in my heart that I wasn't going to let the conversation of my friends get to me again so that I'll fall into such a deep trap I didn't want that again. So I started taking my Bible seriously. I started praying. And every day, every day, I got to learn new things. Some scriptures are there. You might have heard them being mentioned before. You might have read it. But then when I read them, I got a new insight on it. And I, I was in love with the feeling. I was in love with God again. Then we came back to Teen Chapel. And then Uncle Biju started talking about going back to our first love and repentance, and I knew I was on a steady path. So it guided me to go deeper into God. And I haven't regretted. In fact, I don't want to go back to whatever I was doing before because there's nothing nice about it. In the meantime, when I was reading the books, oh, it was interesting and all that, but after that, you gain nothing, and your spirit just feels empty like that. Okay, so um, a question to Uncle Solo. Are there signs that we can know when we are backsliding as teenagers, what are the signs or how can we detect that we are going back? Or normally, do we have to backslide fully before we can see or know those signs? Hello. All right, um, thank you for that question. I think that the Bible says that um, the Spirit of God in us, that is the Holy Spirit, He bears witness with our own spirit that we are the sons of God. All right. And one of the things that the Holy Spirit, if you read the book of John, that the Holy Spirit does, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin and of judgment, all right, and of righteousness. And so that is one of the things that the Holy Spirit does. And so before you fall away, before you backslide, the Holy Spirit will be hinting at your heart, will be tugging at your heart. And as she rightly said, there were indications 
the Holy Spirit was giving her indications in her heart about the books that she was, was not supposed to read. Uh, but she did not listen to that tagging in her heart. And the, the result is very clear. All right. Usually before, we usually say, oh, something told me. Something told me. That's something that we refer to. Is that if you are a believer and you are a child of God, it's the Holy Spirit in your heart. And that is the first sign that you get when you are slipping or you are going off um, the path that you are supposed to be on as a Christian. That's one sure way to know. The other thing that will, will be evident to you is that you start withdrawing from the things that draw you close to God. And so maybe bef- before you used to pray uh, maybe two hours a day. Uh, or maybe two hours is too much. Maybe you used to pray <laughs> an hour a day or 30 minutes a day. Or maybe the 10, the, the ten minute thanks that Uncle Buddha says we should be praying. You have been doing that consistently for some time. But when you begin to backslide, you realize that that 10 minutes prayer starts becoming three minutes. And then eventually you stop. Before you were reading your Bible, you were having your quiet time. You were uh, engaging in fellowship with other believers. You were sharing. You were doing online evangelism. You were sharing what you learned in the Bible with your friends. But for some reason, you realize that you don't find pleasure and joy in those things anymore. And so gradually you stop doing them. And something else takes uh, their place. All right. So when you begin to backslide, these are the sure things that will begin to happen in your life and let you know that you are off. The first thing is the Holy Spirit convicting you in your heart that, my son, my daughter, this is not right for you. Don't do this. Don't go down this path. But if you don't, and it's at that point that you should hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and obey. But if you, do, if you disobey him and you continue down that path, you begin to realize that the things that gave you pleasure in God, the things that drew you close to God, you begin to draw away from them. You stop reading the Bible. You stop praying. You, don't, you stop going to church. You stop doing evangelism. You stop having conversations that will edify your spirit. And then other things that will not help you to grow spiritually start taking over. Okay, so just a quick question to everyone. So um, you can take the microphone around and anyone can answer. Said now. What is it with scary movies and scary books? Anybody can, can let us understand. Why do you love scary movies so much? Anyone who really likes scary movies can be the one to answer. Um, where is Elikim? I don't know why I feel maybe you, you, you can answer this question. Oh, Sedinam. Ah, okay, you can just... Yeah. Oh, Elikim, you don't watch scary... Is that Elikim? <laughs> you don't watch scary movies as well. Anyone can answer. Okay, yeah, okay, fine. So you can go to him there, the corner. I don't know how I, I could tell, but let's go to him. Benjamin too, uh, yes, scary movies. They are suggesting your name. We'll come to you after. Um, um, for scary movies, most of the time, scary movies and books always have some kind of suspense and... Uh, and give us... Okay. Give us give an example, but don't... Just continue. They give you suspense, they give you shock, they keep you on your toes and... So you like it? Yeah, so sometimes they are exciting, and, but the only problem I have with it and I usually, I stopped watching horror movies that most of the time you you feel like you feel like the thing comes to life and is haunting you or have you had a dream or something that scared you but then have you been scared by one of the movies before there are times I've watched horror movies and I can't sleep alone hey. <laughs> um, just 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 to add something quick okay um 
I used to watch scary movies or what we call horror movies some time back. But when I was, I think when I was a teenager, when I used to watch those things. And during my time, your generation is different. The things, the kind of scary movies you guys watch now is is very, is very scary. <laughs> my time, I used to watch scary movies, and it was comedic for me. It was funny. It was funny because the things that they did in the scary movie that we call scary <laughs> were so exaggerated that you can't, you don't get scared, you just laugh. <laughs> you understand? Yeah, so if you saw scary movies in the 90s and the 80s, they were, they were usually very funny. But as we, we, the, the years progressed in the 2000s, the kind of scary movies that are now, and I stopped, when, it, when I saw that, in, that change, I stopped watching it because it was, it was very demonic. And you could see that this is very, this is, they are actually showing you things that are actually happening in the realms of the spirit. And if you are not careful, okay, you, you, something, as he rightly said, you, you can watch and you will not be, you can't sleep. The thing will be in your face throughout the night. And as you sit and you are watching, you see that your spirit is not at peace. There's a turmoil going on inside you, okay? And that is a sure sign that I shouldn't be watching this, so just stop watching it. Okay, but to answer his question, uh, just to highlight it, a lot of us are, are, are interested in these kinds of movies and in werewolves and in vampires and in fairies and all of that. I also like watching those movies. The, why? Why do we like watching those movies? Because we are spiritual beings. There is, a, there is a certain desire for us to know about the realms of the spirit. These things, when we see them, they are out of the normal. They are supernatural, in quotes. And so, because of that yearning and desire, we want to see, so how does that world look like? How does it, how does it operate? It is interesting for us. We are curious. We want to know more about it. But that curiosity often leads us in the path that we shouldn't go. And that's how people get into occultism and all those kinds of things. That desire that you have in you to know about the spirit is placed in there by God. And it is that desire to move you to know more and to, desire, uh, to learn more about God and to know him more. Okay, so redirect that desire is not bad in itself, but redirect it to the right place. Okay, yeah. Okay. So Ellie, can are you done? Or you can continue? Or you're done? Okay, okay. Benjamin, do you have a point? Even watch a scary movie before. <laughs> you've watched. You've watched. You've watched. Okay, anybody here? Okay, somebody is here. Oh, please, please, yes. Uh, some scary movies you learn a lot from it. Okay. Yes. Because my first day watching Chucky, and then you don't I have to mention like okay. in, uh, dolls. Uh-huh. Because I learned that when you buy doll or when you bring doll to your house, it might wake up at dawn and hunt you. And then I stopped watching Hollywood uh, horror movies, so I brought it to Hollywood. And then the way patient Ozoko acts in some parts of a movie, I stop. I, you learn a lot in it too. You learn how to be with humans. And you learn how to stay with some things. Some what? Some things. Because okay. Okay. some scary movies, some are scary or do, but some you learn good things from it. All right, so interesting views. Okay, Ben. Now, I think Ben has gathered his courage. You are making certain work, man. 
Tell them I'm sorry. Yeah, I think most of the scary movies, one of them I watched, I won't mention the name, but it was kind of a Christian movie. Like, you know how to fight the devil with scriptures. You learn what the teachers in Teen Chapel fighting the devil with scriptures and things. That was what I learned from scary okay. movies, but okay. I really don't watch them. All right. Okay, so as Uncle Solo said, yeah, you should just know the kinds of movies I watch. Some of them are very demonic. Some of them you learn from them. But if you know you're the type of person that you watch and you can't sleep, you can't, you are, you are scared at night, you know, you're putting fear in yourself. So you have to fill your mind with things that are strengthened. Normally, when you're more strong in God and you watch those things, you will learn. But if you're just watching, you may not learn anything. You will be scared, okay? So you can just take note of that. So, Winifred, um, for you to... The same question I asked, I asked the lawyers. Okay, but I'll just switch it up for you. So when you came to church as a teen, was there a difference when you were home and when you were and you, you came? Was the fellowship intact or you needed to also go back to your first love as well? Okay, so even before we came, during the lockdown, I thought that I was on the right path because... I mean, this prayer group, we are always praying, always following life sermons and all that. But one time, God told me that I don't know him. I have to know him for myself. And I was like, ah, me, that I can pray, like, I can pray for the world. Me, hey, hey. I was like, ah, me, I don't know. How God. long like, do you how? pray? Hey, I pray, like, I really pray okay. for long. I pray, I pray. So I was like, ah, hmm. Yeah, then I realized that I wasn't really doing my quiet time. I was just because I know that my accountability partner is going to ask me what I learned. And then if I don't tell her anything, she's going to talk plenty. And I don't want plenty talk, so I just have to do my quiet time. And also, there's this YouTuber I used to watch a lot. I was like, she claims she's bisexual now. Now, she says she's pansexual, actually. I mean, I just used to watch her because I me, mean, I liked her, and then I used to tell my accountability partner that, oh, I'm watching her because I'm praying, and I know she's going to change. And then she was like, I should be mindful of the people I follow. I was like, oh, she's not going to have any effect on me. Like, it's just a video. Let me just watch. Then I heard this in my spirit. Let he who thinks he stands take heed lest he falls. And I was like... Maybe it's a word for somebody, it's not for me. So God should just tell me who it's for. Because I was expecting him to say, my daughter, my daughter, don't watch this one again. Yeah, then I realized that as I kept on watching her, I started asking myself questions. I was like, hey, maybe me too, I'm bisexual because what, how she explains it, it kind of, it kind of makes sense. So I was like, or oh, maybe I should also go and study myself to know my truth in quotes. <laughs> yeah, but I prayed and all that. I kept praying in tongues for a reason I don't know. And then the only thing I kept saying was, God, I want to go back to where I first loved you. I want to go back to where I yearned for nothing. It was just to be in your presence, just to be close to you. Then we came back to Teen Chapel and Uncle Bridget started talking about going back to our first love and I was like, wow, the spirit is one. And now, when I, sp- 
spend time having my quiet time. I hear from God. He gives me visions. And yeah, it's been great so far. And I'm really thankful to God. Okay. So I will let Uncle Solo speak on something on... I think I want us to dwell really on what we consume as teenagers. But I want to hear Chief. I know Chief, Chief is not ready. But I want to hear Chief's opinion on the things that we consume on television, on YouTube, on social media, how they can affect us. So Chief, Chief, you're there. Okay, so certainly I'm going to give you a microphone. Your opinion on the things that we watch and how they can affect us. Because Winifred said she was watching a lady who was a, um, a bisexual and those thoughts began to ring in her mind whether she should know who she is. Even though she was overcome it, I think many teens could be in that situation where they watch people who have other kinds of characters. You can share your opinion, Chief. Thank you very much, um, Nana Wisu. Um, anything that we feed our minds has an effect on our subconscious being. And if you look at the world today, there's a conscious um, agenda to indoctrinate us negatively. For example, if you have a child, and let's say this is color red, and right from infancy, you keep telling that child that this is color black, that child will grow up knowing that very thing as color black. So as youth, we need to be very careful what we feed our minds with. You may not see the effect instantly, but gradually over time, you realize that you tend to believe what you are seeing and what you are watching. And you sort of take an entrenched position because it's an agenda. And you realize that they show it to you in different forms and it takes different shapes as well. So all across board, for example, even in the cartoons you are watching, in the music videos that you are watching, even in sports. So it cuts across um, board. Now, and even if you realize in our world today, there are certain things that we see as, as normal. Previously, we were not seeing those things as, as normal when we were growing up as, as, as kids. So you must be very conscious of what you feed your mind, what you watch, because at the end of the day, it's going to affect you. And by the time you realize, it will be, it'll be too late. It will be too late. Now you meet people and they even think that Christianity is just a scam. They don't see anything wrong in not going to church. I met a youth last week. Somebody I met, I think about five years ago, he used to be very active in the things of God. Because when he saw me, he remembered me that, ah, we met at VLC some time ago. So I was trying to engage him in a conversation. And he told me he stopped going to church because he doesn't, he doesn't see the point in going to church. You know? So I think um, it's one of the things, especially social media, we need to really, really, really be mindful of what we are, we are watching out there. For example, now it's very normal for people to say they date older men, they date married men. You hear the celebrities saying it. You see uh, Sandra Ancobia sitting on the new uh, Porsche 2021. And you ask some of them, what work are they doing? Where are they getting the money from? It is normal. Um, pimping is, is, is normal, you know? So. Um, for, for me, I think as Christians, we must be very, very mindful of where we want to go. When you know where you are going, you don't engage yourself in, 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 in other... Everybody has a destination. Everybody has a goal. Everybody has a, a target. So we need to ask ourselves, where are we going? Where do we intend to get to? For example, if I'm going to Tamale, I know 
the car I'll go and sit in I'm going to sit in a car that is going to Kufuidia. So you may see someone doing something, but you must ask yourself, where is that person going to? And where am I also going to? So let's feed ourselves with uh, positive content. Unfortunately, we don't have a lot of uh, godly things out there. Now, if you want to find good content, it's very difficult to, to come by. But I believe there are, still, there, there are still some good stuff out there. Because if, for example, you turn on your TV today, 90% of the things that will be on, 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 on TV um, I think they are not encouraging. We were all there. I think last week, a, ten, a 16 year old boy went to kill a 10 year old boy for, for Sakawa. And there's been a lot of media discussion that some of the actions of these teenagers are as a result of what they watch on TV. Because if you turn on your TV now, about 90% of the station, they are showing money doubles and instant money and um, you know so many things so i think let's be mindful of of what we watch okay so to, do you have anything to say on the content we watch <clears throat> yeah so the little i'll add um uncle uncle chief nana has said a lot <laughs> um but the little i'll add is that a lot of a lot of the times these things that we watch okay well one man said i've forgotten who but i said if you want to um tell a lie effectively i'm not saying go and do this well but if you want to tell a lie effectively mix it with truth okay when when winnie was speaking she said it sound it made sense the things that the person was saying and that is how the devil gets to us and uncle would you last week when you were speaking what well, made mention uh, on the first day that you were speaking about repentance made mention of it that in the garden of eden when the devil came to tempt uh, eve he did not come saying that um, uh, going against God's direction or instruction uh, and in telling, in telling uh, Eve. Okay, but he rather twisted what God had said. So he, he, he asked him, did God really say you should not eat of any tree in the garden? All right. So sometimes when the devil is, is, is speaking to us, okay, there is some truth in what he is saying. When the devil was tempting Jesus Christ, and he took him on, upon the, 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 the highest point on the temple and asked him to jump. He quoted a scripture to him and said that, the Bible says that I'll, I'll, cause, your, I'll, I'll cause my angels to, to bear you up in their arms, lest you strike your feet against the stone. It is scripture. It was, not, it was not a lie that the devil spoke. But the Lord knew that he had taken that scripture out of context and was using it at that point against him. So a lot of the times, we hear some things, and they sound right, they sound true, but there is a lot of what deception behind it. And that's so you must be very careful about the things that you consume. And as uh, rightly as uh, Uncle Dana said, if the more you consume the things that you are consuming, it becomes you, okay? The, 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 it says out of the abundance of the heart of a man, okay, you, it flows out. That, that's what is in your heart in abundance will, what, will manifest. And so if you are filling your, 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 your heart with things that will not glorify God, with things that will take you away from God, eventually, that is what is going to happen. You will move away from God. Okay, so let's be very mindful of these things. Okay, Okay, Sedinam. Yes, I have a question. Can I ask it? Okay, uh, yes. Yes, it's based on what the scripture Uncle Sol was just talking about. Um, my question is about taking the Bible literally. 
right like are there certain scriptures that you can't take literally and can't take literally or all of them you have to like view them with a different level of understanding okay Okay, you, I will say something before so too. So um, it depends on the scripture you are reading. There are some scriptures you have to look at the context of the scripture. There are some scriptures it is a literal meaning. And there are some that you can't translate in that way because the context in which it was spoken or the meaning derived at that particular point is very different from what we are seeing now. Even though God can give you a personal revelation of the scripture that will apply to you, the Holy Spirit has to guide you because you can read a verse and sometimes the devil, you know, that's what people do in the world. They misconstrue verses to suit themselves because they want to take an action. So if they go and say, okay, David married many wives. I can go and marry many wives. You see, they take stories in the Bible that will suit them. This person took wine. I can take alcohol. That's not how to interpret the Bible. So there are different contexts or different times or dates that these events happened. And you have to understand how it applies best to you in this current situation. So, so you can add. Yes, thank you, Dana. The, the little I'll add to that is that you must be aware that the Bible that contains 66 books, right, was written by different artists, okay, and with different styles. And so the whole Bible is not the same. The way it is written and the style in which it's written is not the same. Nonetheless, it conveys the same message. All right, so in the Bible, we have what we call narratives. These are stories you find in the Bible. So the narrative form of writing, it seeks to tell you stories. So you find uh, something and, and uh, something and who? Delilah. Um, you see David and Goliath. You see, um, who else? The other stories, the Bible story. Noah. So those are stories that you read, all right? Then you have the the prophetic writings, okay? These are prophecies that the prophets of God of old would, would speak concerning the people of Israel and concerning what will happen in the future, all right? So they, they have those prophetic writings. And then they are the poetic writings of the Bible, all right? When you read the Psalms and then the, the, the songs of Solomon, these are poetic writings of the Bible. And you need to understand that each of these styles of writing must be in, are interpreted differently. Okay, and so you don't take one way of interpreting the Bible, and there are also meditative uh, uh, styles or writings of, of, of Scripture. For some of them, you need to sit down and meditate on what you have read to get an understanding of what the Scripture is trying to tell you. Okay, so with this in mind, when you enter into, into, the, into the Word of God and you are reading it, you know that, okay, am I reading a prophetic writing? Am I reading a poetic writing? How do I interpret this thing that I'm seeing? Okay, and always you must situate the word of God in the proper context. A lot of the time, we don't get, we don't understand or we misinterpret the word of God because we take it out of what context. And so, when somebody, when somebody quotes something to you and says that the word of God says this, the word of God says that, you must ask them, in what context was this said? All right, and how does it relate to me today? And that is why we encourage you that even when you hear the word of God, you hear pastors preaching, whether on radio or here in Teen Chapel, go back Go and visit the scriptures that were used. Read the whole chapter. Maybe we quoted a verse or two. Go and read the whole chapter. The chapter before, the chapter after. So that you will understand in the situation in which this scripture was what was first what uh, uh, mentioned or said. So that you understand what it means. So that tomorrow, if somebody comes to tell you that uh, Paul said to Timothy, take some small wine for, for your sickness. Then, <laughs> and so because 
Paul said that so you know that oh it's a guarantee I can when I'm not feeling fine I can take some wine no so <laughs> so read the scripture and place it in the proper context okay yeah. okay so uh, we want to move into our sermons because of time so our first sermon was on repentance so I'm, I'm going to ask the question all around and so to give us a final answer what repentance means from our sermons from the first Sunday what does repentance mean to you when you repent. So Winifred Lois, you can all answer as well. Or Lois, you can start. <laughs> Anybody can start, please. What does it mean to you? Repentance. Well, to me, repentance is basically obedience to God and then total submission to his will. Yes. Okay, Lois, repentance. Repentance, to me, repentance is um, a renewal of your mind towards like the word of God. Like you change from the old way of doing things. Yeah. Okay, so anyone in the congregation what is repentance? What does repentance mean? Anyone at all? Or should I come? I'm coming or? I think we should go. I should come. <laughs> I should go. Hey, what is repentance? Anyone? You're looking at me, pa. What is repentance? Surrender to God. Okay, okay. What is repentance? Repentance is the act of accepting one's guilt. Is the act of accepting one's guilt and changing from a from a bad to from bad to I can hear to change from from the way you do things to any level. Okay, okay. So, too, what's the definition of repentance to you as well? All right, so um, repentance is a turn away or a change of, um, of your mindset or an attitude that you previously had about something. And so if before um, you like to eat ice cream a lot and you say that I have repented from, from eating ice cream, what that means is that uh, you have stopped eating ice cream. It's a total, somebody will say it's a total 180-10 from... Um, what you were doing before or the mindset that you had before so if i was facing this way and i said i have repented i turn and i face this way okay so repentance simply means a change of mindset a change of attitude now the thing that you need to realize about repentance also is that it is not just something that you say with your mouth it is not something that uh, you just profess and say that oh i have repented it is a thing that happens within your heart as well and when it happens like that, there is always an outward expression of your repentance. Repentance is not only in the heart and in the mouth. It is expressed outwardly. Okay, so if you read, I just want to read a scripture to us. John, when he came into the scene, John the Baptist, okay, when he came on the scene and he started baptizing people and preaching repentance that led to forgiveness. All right, in, John, in Luke chapter 3, verse, um, verse 8, he, he said, 
Let, let me take it from the verse 7. So John said to the crowds, coming out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Produce what? Fruit in keeping in repentance. When you say that I have repented of something, all right, and you keep doing that thing, it is not repentance. Hallelujah. If I say I have stopped uh, sleeping uh, at 11 o'clock and I end up sleeping at 12 o'clock, I have not repented. Hallelujah. If I say I want to sleep early nowadays, so I want to sleep beyond 11 and I keep sleeping beyond 11, I have not repented. I've just said it what with my mouth. If I say I will stop stealing and I, every time I see something, I pick it and I put it in my pocket, I have not really what stopped stealing. And that is not repentance. So John was saying that you must produce fruit in keeping with repentance. The thing that you say you have repented from, we must see an outward manifestation of that decision that has taken place in your heart. Okay? And that is when we can say that you have truly what? Repented. So that is what repentance really means. And just to add a little, I just I don't I want to see to a lot of the things I will say in scripture. So if you read the, the same Luke chapter 3, if you read a little further down, all right, the people asked him, the crowd asked him, what should we do then? John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. Then we see even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what shall we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, what should we do? And he replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely to be content with your pay. Amen. I hope you are seeing what I'm, I'm, I'm saying. So there are specific things. When you say, I have repented, what are you repenting from? And what actions are you undertaking or manifesting or showing to make us realize that indeed you have repented? Okay, so it's a changing of your mind. It's a changing of your attitude. It's a changing of the, the, the part on which you were aware before to go the other way. All right. Okay, amen. Let's listen to something Uncle Biju said on repentance. Repentance simply has to do with changing our mind, changing our attitude, changing our actions. If we, if you have been, uh, you are not doing well in maths, and every day when it's time to learn maths, you are playing. You need to, you need to repent. You need to change your attitude towards studying maths. You need to stop playing. You need to reduce the playing and spend more hours studying. Changing your mind and changing your attitudes as a result of the changing of your mind. Otherwise, you will still continue to bomb the maths. Or you still continue to have the grades that you have. Okay, so exactly like what Uncle Solo and the team said, that repentance is submitting to God and totally changing. Sometimes, okay, I'll ask a question to Winifred or any of you. Do you sometimes feel, and anybody can answer in the congregation, that the prayers you pray when you're repenting is like a cycle. You pray, you're going back, you pray again, and you feel you're tired of, of going round about in the prayer. Any of you can share. Well, yes, sometimes. 
like sorry like the sometimes it's like you're right with God then you do something and then it's like you have to come back and repent and it's like a cycle that I, I get tired of like can't I just get it right once and for all with like there's no need to go and come back and go and come back and go and come back again that's how I see it yeah okay and Winifred do, do you face that same issue yeah so sometimes I'm just like I'm tired like cause this going back and forth it's really not a nice thing and Okay, you can wave at me if that's how any of us feel. Do we feel that way? Okay, there are two questions. Eh? If um, we can't take your questions, please write your question in your notebook and the ashes can put it in the basket. Just let us put it to. So, Ni, you can. Thank you. Um, it's not a question. I wanted to say something about the repentance and the cycles because the Bible says um, the righteous man falls seven times. Like, that verse really struck me. The righteous man. I forget the righteous man was supposed to get it right all the time. But I feel like God has made um, space for the fact that we are still human even though we are saved. So he's not surprised when we fall. It doesn't change the fact that we are still saved. So now I don't get so stressed out when I fall or when I have to turn back to God because I know I'm human. That's what I wanted to say. Before Elikem asked, Uncle Nick, what Ni said, do you have anything to say on exactly what Ni said? that in the Bible says the righteous man shall fall. So to him, there's space for the, I mean, if it, if it happens, if I'm right. Uncle Nick, do you have something to say on that? Come again. I want you to- Oh, okay. To you need, you can come with this point so that I don't misquote. So you can just come again with your illustration. Okay, I was saying that I used to think that I would never get it right because even though like I was doing my best, I still wasn't like perfect. I still wasn't getting it right all the time. But coming across the verse that said the righteous man falls seven times, it made me aware that I'm not supposed to get it right every single day, every single time. And it doesn't change the fact that I'm still saved. Or it's like, there's nothing wrong with me. That's what I get. Okay, let me, let me try and answer. I'm not getting the question well, but let me still try. Um, the fact that uh, uh, the Bible is saying that um, you fall and then you rise seven times doesn't mean that you shouldn't stop trying to get there. Do you understand what I'm saying? It means that you must always put out your best. We are not perfect. As humans as we are, we are not perfect. Even the archbishops that we see, uh, the most spiritual person that you ever see, none is righteous even before God. And even the Bible says that our righteousness is like what? a filthy rag before God. So no matter what you want to do to get there or to get to that level where Jesus Christ, I mean, was, still, you, you are not, you, are, you, are, you haven't satisfied God in any way. Okay, but we must still try to get there. I hope you get what I'm saying. Thank you. Okay, so, um, so, so you can add a bit to this as well, this conversation. I think it's a very... I hear people talk of, on these things a lot, so I want us to clarify it as well. Yes, because we've been bought with a price. We have the blood of, of Jesus Christ that has covered us of our sins. And we are looking up onto Jesus to be like him. As we read the word, we are changed day by day. And we are on that road with him. As Uncle Nick said, we shouldn't, I don't also think that we should have that mindset that this is what it says. So 
I can, I mean, we shouldn't take the grace of God for granted. That's what I want to say. You can, you can talk. Yeah, I mean, for, for anyone who is interested, I think you should go and read uh, Romans chapter, from chapter 6, 7, and 8. Paul does a very wonderful job of um, expounding on how grace applies to us and why we shouldn't take advantage of that grace. But as believers, as Christians, we should know what God's expectation of us is. Okay. And Paul says that, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Christ is our standard. He is the one that we are supposed to be what? Reflecting. We are supposed to look like Jesus Christ. Okay. And so though the Bible says that uh, a righteous man shall fall seven times, seven times he shall rise again. That statement is not a statement of... uh, uh, how do you call it? Of validation for your falling. All right. This is, again, when you read the scriptures, you need to understand the context in which it's written and what the intent of the scripture is. That scripture is supposed is, is there as a, as a form of encouragement, so that when you fall, all right, you are not going to stay in your falling state. All right. The Bible warns that anyone that is standing, let you should take heed lest he falls, but Bible says, if you fall, don't stay there. Rise up. That is your, the word of encouragement. Don't see it rather as, oh, I'm a righteous man. And so the Bible says, if a righteous man falls, so I'm expected to fall, then I rise again. That shouldn't be your mindset. All right? If you read in John chapter, 1 John chapter 2, uh, from verse 1, it says that, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. So that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. So, yes, we have not been perfected yet. We are all striving to be what? To be perfect. We are all striving to become like the image that we find Christ to be in, in his word. When we read the word of God, that is revealed to us. But we should not also... Uh, say that because we are being perfected and so it is okay for me to be what to be falling and falling and falling all right that should not be the mindset that we should have okay all right um elikim you had a, a question or uh, yes you can um i was saying um, we feel like most the side like the cycle you were saying we repent and the problem is or the thing is sometimes the thing is sin weighs you down and that is what it makes you that's how it makes you feel. So, for example, maybe you gave your life to Christ, but maybe you used to maybe take alcohol and party. So, you started praying, you started reading your Bible, and because you became less disciplined, you went into it again. So, maybe you came to church the next day, you had to lead prayers, and you feel like you can't even do it because you maybe drank alcohol the night before. So, that's what sin makes us do. So, it weighs you down, it makes you feel... It makes you feel like God doesn't love you anymore. God is not there for you. It makes you, it makes you feel like you are far away from God. But then when you, when you realize that you are wrong and you go back and you ask for forgiveness, that distance is broken and then, and then, sin, and then the, and the bondage of sin leaves you. So that is why most of the time we feel like we have to go back and repent, go back and repent, and go back and give our lives to Christ. But once, you give, once, you've, accepted, once you've accepted Christ, then he's already there for you and he's in you. Okay, all right. So I want us to take. Um, we also learned about going back to our first love, and what it means to fall in love with Jesus. I want Auntie Delphina, who I know would beat me fine after this. 
to also talk to us from the point of her um, in terms of in terms of love, meeting your husband, how it it also was, you know. <laughs> Nana, this, uh, this people will beat me, so let me please go. a quick one. Eh, before uh, I want to buy time for Auntie. Auntie okay, Bobina, buy so time, she, buy time. As she thinks please. about it, but uh, I just want to read uh, a scripture to us, okay, about this cycle, okay, the ups and downs that we face in our Christian world. Um, Galatians chapter five, uh, it says that in chapter five verse sixteen. No, let me take it from verse thirteen. And if you have it, can you, if you can project it, that would be great. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. It says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbling in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. And this is where I want us to take emphasis. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. I repeat, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And it goes on to talk about the acts of the flesh, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, and, 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 and a whole lot. And then it goes on to talk about the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, forbearance, and all of that. But what I want you guys to remember is that the Spirit of God in us, or the, the, our rejuvenated Spirit, our revived Spirit in us, okay, is, is fighting a battle with our flesh. And the flesh here refers to your body, your your, 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 your mind, your, your, the, the, the desires that you have trained yourself with over time, the habits, the bad habits that you have formed, okay? All of these things reside in the flesh. And the Bible is saying that your spirit is in conflict with your heart, your flesh. So that at any point in time, if you do not make a conscious effort to walk and stay in the spirit, your flesh will take over. Because mind you, your flesh is your default state. Anything that you are, those of you who are who are in, uh, who have done a bit of science, understand the law of inertia. When I place the law of inertia, says that if I and I'm explaining it, if a, if a, if a substance, this chair, if it's here, all right, the law of inertia says that until an external force is applied on this chair, this chair will not move. It will remain stationary until the world ends. Do you understand that? If this chair is also in motion, until an external force like friction is applied, this chair will continue to be in motion forever. It will never stop. Okay. So there is something called momentum. Okay. So, and that is what sometimes we lack uh, in our spiritual life. We lack the spiritual momentum. All right. When we go for camp, when we hear powerful messages, when we decide to repent, like, like, like what we're experiencing now, and a desire to go back to the things of God and to our first love. The momentum, we were in a state of inertia. We are back, we are back city and we are, we are stationary. Now we start to move again. An external force has been applied. We begin to build momentum. When we don't keep applying that force, okay, it's like a merry-go-round. When you push a merry-go-round and you push it one, two, and you stop, 
it will keep going at a, at a point in time to what? It will stop by itself. It's the same thing. You need to keep applying that external pressure because mind your spirit is what? Working against your flesh so that you will not, not do the things that your, your flesh wants to do. So that you will help you to keep what? Rising in the realms of the spirit and growing in the spirit. So you need to keep that spiritual what? Momentum. And that is where the discipline must come in. Because if you do not discipline yourself, Sometimes you say, oh, today I'm tired. I've, I've been praying all week. If I don't pray today, it's nothing. It is something. Mm. Right? True. I've, been, I've been reading the Bible all week. If today I don't read the Bible, it's not, it is something. The moment you start losing that momentum, you start grinding to a halt. And that's what we all feel. We build the momentum. We are going. We are top speed. We are going. We are going. Okay. We are going. We are not applying We can it. take our Cornelius offering as soul 2 is giving us. We are not. We are not. Ap- yeah, keep, we don't keep applying the pressure. We don't keep applying the external force of keeping you, keeping on reading the word of God, keeping on coming to church, keeping on praying. Then gradually the momentum what starts what's coming down, and then we come to a stop. Then when we are we, we become stationary again, that's when we realize that oh, I was moving at top speed, but now there's like I'm not I'm not moving anymore, and that's when you realize that I have to come back again. Then you start the whole process again. I hope you are getting what I'm saying. So, in order for you to come out of that cycle, you need to be aware that you always constantly must what? Be applying that external force. Alright? The external force includes the things that you do to build your spirit. Praying in tongues, reading the word of God, sharing fellowship with other believers, evangelizing, sharing your faith. All these things are external forces that help you to keep your spiritual momentum. And it will help you not to backslide. Amen. Amen. How about that has helped somebody today? I hope we've learned something from that. So as we are taking our offering, does Auntie Delfina now have a little thing to share? Oh, if you beat me, cry. You beat me. So tell you now, I'm going to give it. Oh, yes. Hello. Yes, please. <laughs> the question. Oh, you know the question. Is there? Okay, so Uncle Nana wants me to share something in relation to myself and Uncle Nicholas. So, so as you are all aware, or those who are not aware, Uncle Nicholas is my beloved husband. And I love him very much. But you see, the kind of love I have for him or he has for me cannot surpass the love that God has for me or God has for him or God has for any of us here. When you love somebody, you always want the best for the person. You always don't want to hurt the person. Once in a while, we argue here and there, we have misunderstanding. But uh, the love that God has for us, even if you go very far away from him, he still loves us. Because the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ did what Christ came to die for us. Uh, I appreciated the love of God so much when I read the book of Leviticus. I don't know how many of you have read it, but if you have time, you should read it. You see that in those days, when the people have to ask for forgiveness of sins, the kind of sacrifices they have to do, a sheep without blemish, sometimes it's a, it's a bird offering, grain offering, and all of that. And one part that really struck me was when they said that if the priest goes inside and he doesn't do the sacrifice, then your sins will not be forgiven. And so if I have been able to get that 
that's that lamb without blemish and of course you can you can imagine how many lamb you get that are without blemish and the priest doesn't sacrifice properly then your sin will not be forgiven but jesus christ came to die on the cross for you and i that we might be saved and we don't have to we don't have to provide any lamb we don't have to provide any sheep nothing you can imagine during the day the number of sins you commit if you have to provide a lamb for each and every sin that you commit i'm sure I don't know. I'm sure some people even said that, okay, I'll just give my life over because I don't know how many. Yes, because you can imagine if maybe your parents even commit five a day, your, 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 your siblings commit five a day, you yourself commit five a day, and all of you have to provide. By the end of the day, you have to provide about 40 sheep the following day. Calculate it for 365 days. But this is the sacrifice that Jesus Christ came to do for us. He came to die on the cross for us, even though he knew that we were sinners. And, he, and when you sin and you go back, he asks, he asks for forgiveness or sins. He's able to forgive you. And so that should be at the back of your mind and understand that God's love surpasses any, anything you can ever imagine. That he loves you so much, no matter what. No matter the kind of sin that you think that you have found yourself in, God's love is able to reach you. And so don't let the devil deceive you and say that as for this sin, God cannot forgive. As for this sin, God cannot forgive. And don't also think that one sin is greater than the other. All sin is sin. Once you, 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 you commit the sin, just accept that you have, you have committed the sin and ask God for forgiveness. He's able to forgive you. The devil will deceive you and say that, oh, yesterday you asked for forgiveness. Today you are doing it again. God will not be happy with you. No. Even if it's a thousand times you sin in a day, go back to God and ask for forgiveness because his love never ceases. Amen. 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 And for, yes, Amen. clap, please. So for those who are also having other girlfriends or boyfriends, all the things that you do every morning, calling and whatever you have done or texting, is the same kind of energy we should put in God and more. Not even the same, as she said. That it can't even, you can't compare that to what God has done for us. Because we are about to, we are getting to the ending part. I think I'll take something from Soul 2, yes, then we'll just take a few okay questions too then we are going to continue next week because we have other sermons to capture from going back to the basics hey, sorry going back to your first love and being led by god's voice so so we can talk then we take a question if you have any other question you can write it down next week we'll address them all right so quickly i'll just share quickly my i've been uh, impressed to share this with you guys i think that when we're asking uh, the questions about okay. Um, how um, what you heard and uh, uh, during the services, somebody was sharing that the, 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 it was hard for them to to go back to God, and then when they came to church, they heard a message and they were broken throughout the week. Um, and I think that it is it is similar to to most of us when we when we commit certain sins, we feel and I think Lois even mentioned we feel unworthy of God's presence. We feel unworthy of, of, of engaging with God, of praying to God, of talking to Him. We feel like the Lord doesn't love us as, as much as He should because we have sinned and He is not happy with us. That mindset is an erroneous mindset. It is, it is, it is an error. God's love for you and for me is not dependent on the things that you do. When you sin or you don't sin, God still loves you the same. And in fact, when you are in your mess, that is when God wants you to even draw closer to him. I was sharing yesterday, uh, for those of us who are at church workers meeting, that I think that my son has vomited on me like two or three times. But 
when he does that, I don't let go of him. I hold him tighter because I know that he is not well. Okay? I, I hope you understand what I'm saying. That is not the time that God wants to let you go and say that, oh, you, you have done a bad thing. Don't come near me. Yes, it is true that God doesn't like sin. But what I, the scripture I just read to you guys in 1 John chapter 2, it says that, I do not write these things to you that you will sin. But if you sin, there is an advocate with the Father, the man Jesus Christ, the righteous. Okay, he is interceding on your behalf. His blood is able to make atonement for your sin. So, that blood washes away our sin. And so, don't walk away from God. Don't, in fact, some of you don't even walk. You run away. Don't run away from God. When you, are, when you are messing up, that is when you should draw closer to God. And I just want to share something quickly that happened to a certain rapper during the week. A certain, how many of us know DMX? DMX is a, is a, is a rapper, right? A hip-hop artist. And he passed um, during the week. This guy was somebody who was struggling with drug abuse. Okay? And even though he was struggling with it, alright, I think that along the line, he came to know Christ. And if you listen to some of the prayers that he prays, okay, he acknowledges that he's in a mess. But he's saying that, Lord, I know I'm in a mess, but you are the only one that can help me. Okay? And so he was drawing closer and closer to God, even in his mess. He didn't say, oh, I am a drug addict, and so, God, I can't come near you. No, that is not what God wants. God wants a relationship with you. He wants you to draw closer to him. And it is in that drawing closer that all those things will begin to fall off you if you stay in his presence. So for somebody who is here, you have been, you have been bashing yourself. You are saying that, oh, I can't come into the presence of God. My sins are too great. When I come, I ask God for the, I pray to God for forgiveness for the same sin over and over and over again. God doesn't care. You can pray it about a thousand times. He still loves you the same. Don't listen to the lie of the enemy and say that, okay, I am not worthy to be in your presence, Lord. I won't come to church. The, mo- the moment you start doing that, you draw away from God. And the Bible makes us understand, when, when, when you are alone, that is when the devil will strike. He's going about like a roaring lion, seeking whom you may devour. And we are not, when you are not part of the flock, you are easy prey for the devil. Hallelujah. So yeah. somebody, let, let's be encouraged in this. God loves us regardless of our sin. It doesn't matter. Even if you have gone to kill somebody, God still loves you. And he wants you to repent and come to him. Do you understand? So let's not bash ourselves. Let's not live in a, in a state of constant guilt and condemnation. Alright? God loves us. Amen. Amen. Okay. Um, Selina, how many questions do you have? One. Okay, you can, you can read it. And anyone on the panel can answer the question. How can someone who has backslid, who isn't close to God, become closer to him? Where should he or she start from? And how can one start his or her growth in God? Okay, was the question clear for all of you or should she say it again? Okay, you can read it again. How can someone who has backslid, who isn't close to God, become closer to him? Where should he or she start from? And how can they start their growth with God? Okay. So anyone can answer. Or if a facilitator wants to answer, I will also go. Lois, yes. Okay. For me, when all that happened, happened, what I did was to say an honest prayer to God. Because when you 
get tired of it. When you honestly regret what you've done and you are ready to come back to God, his arms are wide open. So it starts with a simple, honest prayer that, God, I want to get back. I'm, I, I, I'm tired of all that I've been doing. I let it go. Like, take over. Because on your own, you will keep doing it and doing it and doing it again. But when you involve God, he's going to help you out. So after you say that honest prayer from your heart, then you take the instructions you've been hearing from here, reading the word every day. Be consistent. You don't have to do so much, at least. A few verses a day from your devotional guide or something, it goes a long way and be consistent with it because I realized that what made me slag was I wasn't consistent. Sometimes I made up excuses and sometimes the excuses weren't even genuine. So after you pray, you take instructions that have been given. You read the word, you consistently read the word and pray and leave the rest to God. Okay, Winifred. Okay, so I would like to say that sometimes we are waiting to stop sinning before we come back. But I'll just say, take yourself to God like that. You don't have to wait to be perfect. Just present yourself to God like that. Talk to Him. Tell Him that this is how you feel. Let Him know how you are feeling and ask Him for the grace to live a godly life. Yes. When you start, you don't have to start praying for two hours a day. You can start by five minutes, ten minutes, three or four verses a day. Then you don't stop there. You yearn for more. You want to grow, right? So, And don't do it because um, you know that when you come to church, maybe a facilitator will ask you, are you praying? Are you reading your Bible? As you are doing it, make sure that you yourself, you're also enjoying spending time with God. Then from there, you realize that you are growing, you are getting consistent. Yeah, so that's what I'm Okay, our last answer from Soto, if there is. All right, so um, uh, let me make this as practical as possible. Um, your, your question was very broad, so I'll, I'll just um, answer it broadly. Um, the first thing that you, you need to do is, uh, and is, is what you've already done is to realize that you are in a place that you don't need to be in. That you have lost a uh, relationship with God and that you want to come back. And so that is a place of repentance. Alright? When a repentance happens, when you're, there's a change of mind, Lord, I don't want to be in this any longer. I want to, I want to come back to you. Alright? And last, Lord said, you will pray a genuine prayer to God that you want to come back to Him. Now, after you have prayed that prayer, the Lord empowers you and grants you the strength to do what you must do. But the question is, what, do you, what must you do? You must do an assessment of yourself and understand the kinds of things that you are doing that, that led you astray. The kinds of habits you have formed over the period that are leading you astray. And decide to repent from each of those things. Because Uncle Biju said something last, was it last two weeks or so? He said, if you keep doing the same things you have done, you will not, you, you will not get different results. The results are going to be the same. So you need to understand and know this habit, this, this thing I was doing, A, B, C, were contributing to my downfall, were contributing to my backsliding. Was it movies I was watching? Was it books I was reading? Was it this I was doing? And then so you, do, you list the things that you were doing that were contributing to your backsliding. Then you list the things that you were not doing that contributed to your backsliding. So what were you not doing? 
we were not we, were you not reading the word were you not praying were you not sharing were you not evangelizing list those things okay and once you see it clearly in your eyes you can have a plan okay i repent of this i repent of that i repent of this holy spirit help me to stay away from this and help me to do these things that i need to do study your word read uh, uh, pray and all of that and be consistent with sometimes the strength to do it alone will not be there but you when you pray to god to give you that strength you will be able to do what to do these things so it, it helps when you know what you are fighting um, but if it is vague in your mind you don't you don't have a clear picture of what you actually did to backslide then it will be harder for you to come back but if it is clear in your mind okay these are the things that i was doing that was not helping me it helps you to repent from those things and then you start doing the things that will help you to draw closer and closer to god all right so yeah amen i'm sure we've been blessed you can give a wave if you've been blessed by today's discussion next week we would continue our discussion you can keep your questions coming we'll continue with the other sermons that we haven't touched on you can if you, you are, you're on whatsapp on your status you can just type something that's going back to the basics amen going back to the basics we can all be on our feet um just shortly and i want us to just say a little declaration to ourselves just say father in the name of jesus i will walk in the spirit and i will listen to your voice in the name of jesus amen so you can just tell a friend anyone you know to come next week as we continue the discussion amen we can invite Aunt gina back to the stage god bless you so much